I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Are you ready? What's going on here? Resistance is futile. This indeed you are powerful. Is in my hand. Fan Effect. Hi, I'm Andy Farnsworth from KSL News Radio and KSL's Fan Effect Podcast. I'm also the movies and pop culture guy for KSL 5 today, and here's my review of The Courier from Lionsgate Pictures and Roadside Attractions. It's been said that the door of history turns on small hinges, and that is nowhere more evident than the story told in The Courier, a true story about an English businessman who gets caught up in the world of espionage during the Cold War in the 1960s. Benedict Cumberbatch plays Greville Wynn, a salesman from England who's asked by MI6 and the CIA to help them out when a high-ranking government official from the Soviet Union wants to smuggle out secrets to the West. The spy agencies explain to Wynn that because he doesn't actually work for the government or have any spy training, no one would ever suspect him of anything if it were to go over in legitimate business purposes. Once there, though, he'll do actual sales, but in the process make contact with the Russian asset and then be the courier who brings back classified documents. He wouldn't even know what they are. Now, the story follows how Wynn copes with and handles his assignment while, also, while he also questions himself on how far he's willing to go, especially if it means he might help prevent nuclear war between the United States and the Soviet Union during one of the most tense political standoffs in world history. As smooth and debonair as Benedict Cumberbatch can be, he plays it much more buttoned up and nervous, which makes sense. He still has his natural charm, but he also convincingly portrays the anguish Wynn feels at having to lie to his family, especially his wife, about what he's really doing in Moscow. You'll also recognize Rachel Brosnahan from Amazon's marvelous Mrs. Mizell as a CIA agent who seems to be more concerned with Wynn's safety than his own government does at times. I like the themes of trust, courage, and especially sacrifice, as you realize and hopefully appreciate that these were real people making really difficult and dangerous decisions without the benefit that we enjoy today of historical hindsight. Plus, knowing that it was a true story actually motivated me to go and learn a bit more about this particular period of the Cold War and some of the events referenced in the movie. It's also worth pointing out that there are a couple of other films set in this same time frame that can give additional historical context, Steven Spielberg and Tom Hanks' Bridge of Spies and Kevin Costner's 13 Days. As far as warnings, there are a few. The Courier is rated PG-13 for a bit of colorful language, as well as some scenes of life in a Cold War-era Russian prison, including some violence, and scenes where a prisoner is stripped down. The runtime is just under two hours. But I found The Courier to be a tense political thriller that didn't always do what I expected and was made more compelling by the fact that it's a true story. You even get to see some news footage of the actual Greville win during the closing credits, which I always enjoy and find fascinating. 
I give it two and a half out of four stars, and I think those who like political thrillers and historical movies will enjoy it most. As for where you can watch it, it is exclusively in movie theaters for now. No release on any streaming platforms for a while. Hey, thanks for watching. Hopefully you and your family found this review helpful. I invite you to check out some of my other in-depth reviews of movies and streaming TV series on ksltv.com or the KSL TV app. I'll see you there. Hi, I'm Andy Farnsworth from KSL News Radio and KSL's Fan Effect podcast. I'm also the movies and pop culture guy for KSL 5 today. And here's my review of Zack Snyder's Justice League from DC Comics and Warner Brothers Studios. It's extremely rare that fans get to see an honest to goodness do over on a movie. Not a reboot, not a reimagining, not a prequel or sequel, but an actual let's do this again with the same cast and same footage and make it better this time. And yet, that's precisely what's happened for fans of Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, and the other DC comic superheroes of Zack Snyder's Justice League, streaming now on HBO Max. For those who are unaware or have forgotten, Warner Brothers Studio originally released Justice League back in 2017. It was a sequel to Man of Steel and Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice, and it was expected to do for DC Comics what Avengers did for Marvel, get all the big-name superheroes from their company together and make a lot of money. Only it didn't. The movie was very uneven because Zack Snyder, the original producer and director of the movie, left during production to deal with a family tragedy. The studio brought in Joss Whedon, the guy who directed the first two Avengers movies, to finish the DC project, and Whedon made significant changes to the story and tone of what Snyder had already done. When it came out, neither critics nor fans seemed to like it very much, and though I myself found it to be somewhat enjoyable, it certainly was a box office disappointment. Almost immediately, fans began wondering if they'd ever get to see what the original version of the movie looked like, and they started a social media campaign to hashtag release the Snyder Cut. These kinds of efforts by fans don't always work, but this time it did, and now here we are a little over three years later, and we actually do get to see what Zack Snyder originally wanted this movie to look like. As someone who's a fan of comic books in general, and Superman in particular, I really enjoyed this new version of Justice League. I give Zack Snyder credit for improving pretty much everything he could improve. The story's better and more fleshed out. Each of the heroes has a better character arc, particularly Ray Fisher as Cyborg, who finally gets a backstory and really shines this time around. Plus, Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman just kicks butt once again, and I just love her portrayal of the character. And I'll never get tired of seeing a bunch of superheroes together on the big screen. The big bad guy is still an alien named Steppenwolf, whose name makes me laugh every time and gets the song Magic Carpet Ride stuck in my head. But in Snyder's hands, he's much more powerful and brutal, and he's a cooler suit of armor, too. You also get to know his motivations better in this version than the 2017 film, and Snyder wisely makes him subservient to the true big bad, Darkseid. But, and this is a big but, you have to balance all of the good things of, Jack, of Zack Snyder's Justice League with several major drawbacks. First is the fact the movie is four hours long. Yes, four hours. It has almost as many endings as Lord of the Ring, The Return of the King, and it's actually kind of a test of endurance to get through all of it. I'm honestly glad it's on streaming because I could pause the movie and have dinner or use the bathroom or whatever else I needed to do. And weirdly enough, the movie is presented in 4 by 3 screen format, you know, the old square-style picture with the black bars on the right and left sides, rather than the normal rectangular picture that fills the whole screen. I'm not sure why Snyder chose to do this, other than maybe he wants to put the whole thing on Instagram someday. To be fair, you do get used to it pretty quickly, and at least Snyder warns you with a disclaimer at the beginning of the movie. 
so you don't think your TV is busted or something. You may also be surprised to find out that it's rated R for lots of comic book violence and blood, as well as language and a very bleak, almost hopeless tone. Snyder's use of so many gray tones and muted colors add to that feeling. And even though Superman is in this movie, I recommend you keep the kids away from this one. In fact, this movie seems to be made exclusively for grown-up fans, which kind of disappoints me because I personally think that any movie that has Superman in it should be accessible to kids. Additionally, I can't imagine there are many people who aren't already fans of these superheroes who will want to invest the time it will take to watch this. But, as a fan myself, I have to give credit where it's due, and I give Zack Snyder's Justice League three out of four stars. I have no doubt I'll be watching it again, despite its super long runtime. As for where you can watch it, it is streaming exclusively on HBO Max. If you have HBO with your cable or satellite subscription, it includes access to HBO Max. If not, you'll have to pay the $14.99 a month subscription fee. Hey, thanks for watching. Hopefully you and your family found this review helpful. And I invite you to check out some of my other in-depth reviews of movies and streaming TV series on ksltv.com or the KSL TV app. I'll see you there. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do when a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story the struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.